we all do have stretches in life where we feel overwhelmed, where there is too much going on. It's learning how to be intentional so that you don't end up in that space. I have absolutely been in that space where because of things that are happening professionally, I am just totally underwater because of things that are happening personally, I'm totally underwater. That is part of the journey that we're on. and welcome to the Millennial Health Podcast. I'm Dr. J. Cherie Allen, a board-certified family physician who's passionate about the health of my fellow millennials. I know we're booked and busy, but your first wealth is your health. So I'm taking some of my most important health messages and bringing them here to you on this podcast. My goal is to share some valuable information and draw awareness to some important health topics, but I encourage you to please consult your physician for personalized medical advice. Today on the Millennial Health Podcast, we're joined by Dr. Mark Shapiro. He's well known in the med Twitter space, especially for being the host of the Explore the Space podcast, a show that features conversations with leaders from across the healthcare spectrum. Dr. Shapiro is also a full-time clinical hospitalist and currently practices in California. Many of us who are just getting started in the medical slash podcasting media world really do look up to him. So we had a wonderful conversation about mentoring the upcoming generation of millennials who are also trying to break into the space. We also talk about balancing our professional careers while also being vocal online about controversial topics. Enjoy the episode. So today on the Millennial Health Podcast, we are joined by one of my favorite podcast hosts, actually. So no pressure, <laughs> the <laughs> podcaster interviewing another podcaster. But this is Dr. Mark Shapiro. Mark, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I feel all of the pressure because I know how good you are, and it's really exciting to be here. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. All right, so I mentioned that you are one of my favorite podcasters. So you are the host of the Explore the Space podcast. I've actually learned so much about being a podcaster from listening to you, one that you don't script your shows. So That's I listen right. to all these side <laughs> notes. <laughs> and you just want to have a conversation that flows. And I actually have some things I wish I could just talk to you about. So that's what we're going to do today. Um, but I do want to relate some of the content to my audience who are millennials, primarily um, young 20s, 30s, 40s, in the midst of really chaotic seasons of their life, trying to, you know, bridge that career gap, get the personal life going, you know, set themselves up for success for that next phase of life. So I want to talk to you about some of those things. I have some good questions for you here. That's a good right? place to start because those things that you just listed, I'm 45 years old. I just turned 45. Those elements they don't like get resolved at some stage and you just move on. Like you do them over and over and over again. <laughs> yes. Could we, could we start with that then? I'll backtrack. What is one piece of advice that you would give yourself maybe like 10 or 15 years ago to kind of set yourself up for a good life at 45 professionally remember, and personally? It's the same for both. Remember how to have fun, not remember mm -hmm. to have fun. Remember how to have fun. 
it's a it's a behavior just like anything else. If you don't use it, if you don't exercise it, if you don't pay attention to it, it will weaken and it will fall down on your priority list. And I have experienced that at multiple occasions during my training and remember how to have fun. I get asked that. Uh, it comes up sometimes on social media and, you know, on podcasts and things of that nature. My answer is always the same. Remember how to have fun. What's the difference, though, with remembering how to have fun and having fun or remembering to have fun? I think that the how to have fun is further upstream. It's the what things feel fun to me, what things do I enjoy, what things bring me satisfaction so that when I do them, I feel restored, I feel energized, I feel happy. And then the having fun part is actually doing those things. If it's whitewater rafting or making cookies or spending time in a quiet space. There's no wrong answer. It's whatever works for you, but you have to be specific about what those things are and remember to prioritize them so that you can do them. So that's the how part. And then the having is, you know, you like to play tennis, well, get out and play tennis. But as life moves on, you got to remember to stay healthy so you can play. You got to remember to stretch properly so you don't get injured. You got to remember to create time and space to do it. You got to cultivate relationships. So you have somebody to get out and hit tennis balls with. These are all behaviors that you have to pay attention to. And if you don't, they will very easily fade, atrophy, whatever word you want to use. And then you're in a space where maybe you're not having as much fun as you can. And it's not fun for fun's sake. Fun is restorative. Fun is quality of life. Fun is, it's the best, but you got to prioritize it. Have you always done this or is this a lesson you learned later in life? A hard lesson I've learned later in life, for sure. Uh, you know, undergrad was fun, but I worked pretty hard. Um, I went to UCLA. I had a ton of fun, but I also worked hard and made decisions that look, they got me to where I am and I'm I'm happy about it. Medical school was tough. Those behaviors around having fun, that's where I really remember them not being a priority and I suffered for it. It followed me into my residency training. And I remember when I finished residency and I was in attending and I had more control, meaning I was done with training and I was going out into the, you know, workforce to go be a doc. I remember now I had more free time. I started making a little bit of money. I was like, whoa, what do I want to do? I, yeah. I honestly don't remember what are these things. I have to yep. sit down and be deliberate. And my fiance, now wife, we kind of work together. Like, what are these things? Well, it's it's tennis. It's watching movies. It's cocktail making. Okay, well, let's get specific and do those things. There was a stretch in my life where it was not a priority. And the remembering how part definitely faded. Mm -hmm. I know you're a mentor to quite a few individuals. Um, and I'm curious to know a little about your relationship with some of your millennial mentees. What are some of the things you see us doing now that you caution us at this point in time or probably offer some redirection or say we're doing it well? And, you know, kudos to us for doing things in that manner. Honestly, I, I want to start a little bit further back on that okay. question. If you had said to me five years ago, hey, Mark, you're going to be referred to as a mentor by someone like you, whom I have tremendous respect for, I would have not fully understood why you would even say that. And that's been one of the great gifts of creating Explore the Space, producing it, hosting it, and also being a part of our hashtag med Twitter community, where now I, I actually understand why you would say something like that. And I can take it on board as a real compliment and something that really fortifies me and feels great. Um, in, in terms of what you were asking specifically, things that I see people in that generation or demographic doing 
well and things I'd like to see done differently. In the first part, the expansive way that you all look at the world, explore opportunities, tackle barriers, speak truth to power, get aggressive when you need to, and understand the world around you and how you can have a role in changing it. That's amazing because when there's this many of you doing it, you're doing it at scale. It's not like when I was growing up, there weren't people like that, but there weren't as many. And I think it is truly remarkable the way you all do it. You do it in a way where you are in large part supportive and you amplify and you promote, which gives you like logarithmic growth. It's, It's really compelling. And when I think about all of you, you know, being registered to vote and making sure that people coming up behind you are getting registered and all of these sort of activities, whew. Like it's, it's, it's really exciting. It's really compelling. And so it's just that broad strategic view that I feel like you all, whether you're doing it consciously or unconsciously is I just think incredibly compelling. The flip side of that, right. Is, and I worry about this because it's been my experience. And I think a lot of people that, you know, and you may have felt Mm -hmm. this too, is it's easy to get overextended. It's easy to be in a space where you're saying yes to so many things that you're diluting yourself and you're not executing at the highest level on the things that are your priorities. It's a, it's a tension that never goes away. It doesn't get better. You just learn skills because life circumstances are always changing and what you prioritize is always changing. Being conscious of where, what your priorities are, where you're deploying your time, those are the things that are critical. But the cohort of people that I think you're with and you're leading and are learning from, I, I just think you're all on a rocket ship. It's really cool. Oh, thank you so much. And thanks for demonstrating that for us too. You know, you do that really well. I told you I'm a huge fan. I listen to a lot of uh, the podcasts that you're on your own and others you've been featured on. And you were having a conversation with a really good friend of mine, Dr. Sasha Shilkut. And you guys talked about something that I really liked. And I want to touch on that. You mentioned that you don't actually talk much about your podcast at work. So you're a hospitalist. I've been in practice since 2006. And I laughed when you said that because I feel so many of us as millennials can relate to that point. You know, the quote unquote side hustles that we have that we need to separate (laughs) from our nine to five. How do you balance those different worlds? You know, we're all going to learn this one together. Um, I don't have a perfect hand because I am still learning it. Honestly, I think a place for us to start is to, again, how do we label, name, and think about things? I like to keep track of how terms and phrases and terminology kind of evolve in the public space, if you will. I don't like platitudes. I don't use them. I don't think that they're an effective tool for communication. But I also like to keep track of how are words and phrases changing. I feel like side hustle is starting to gather a negative connotation. I don't think it reflects the quality of the work that we're doing. I think it's okay to be doing more than one thing at the same time professionally. I feel like side hustle now just it doesn't it doesn't carry the weight it doesn't carry the 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 gravitas of yes like you host multiple podcasts you speak to <laughs> thousands and thousands your career arc I mean I'd buy all the stock I could in your career arc that's not a side hustle that's totally different I think we need to apply different terminology so that when we say it to someone else they get it they get yeah. what we we're talking about in the first place And I think that's been part of my problem with sharing the work that I do at work. I think another part of it is too, is because what we're doing, we feel like we all know it and get it because we all are very, you know, like self-affirming in our social media spaces and on each other's shows and stuff like that. Podcasting is still very new. 
Uh, social media for a lot of physicians and healthcare workers is still a place where they don't venture. Mm -hmm. And so what we do and what we feel very comfortable with and feel like is very powerful for them is still very unfamiliar. When I'm at work and in the flow of, you know, patient care and admitting and I'm on call and there's a meeting to go to and all of these sorts of things, sometimes I just don't feel like it fits into the flow of the day. And, you know, when is kind of the right time to bring it up? Uh, so that's that's certainly been part of it. I think what I have found, though, is I, I'm comfortable talking with people about so many things. And I just wanted to be able to incorporate my own project into that same space. I don't have a perfect answer and I don't want to pretend to give one. I think everyone just has to acknowledge what they do, what's important and what do you hope to get out of it by speaking about it at work. Um, and that's work. That's something that I'm still doing. But I think what we can do is start to reframe how we think about it and how we talk about it. I don't refer to explore the space and my public speaking and my social media use with other people anymore as a side hustle. I stopped doing that a while ago because I did feel like it carried that negative connotation. Ah, that is a really good point there that you just made. I think, you know, for those of us who are a little earlier in our careers, we're still in training or new attending, still trying to prove ourselves. And, you know, uh, we worry about being perceived as not serious when it comes to your patient care or your clinical work, or if we're talking to non-physicians here, your primary responsibility um, but we really do value these other things that we do. Yeah, yeah. that's a critical point. And I'm, I'm glad that you called that out because I'm kind of past that early attending phase. And I wasn't podcasting when I was in my early attending years. So I started as an attending physician in 2006. I started to explore the space in 2014. So a lot of time had elapsed. I didn't get active on social media until I think like 2017 or 2018. Um, so I'm like well into my career at that point. You're also correct. When you're starting your career, as especially in medicine, where the stakes are so high, there's so much to learn. And most importantly, you are building your reputation right from the jump. And it's going to follow you because our community is super small. You do need to be mindful of how much you're talking about other things that you're doing with your time when you're on duty or when you're at work. There's no perfect way to gauge what the temperature is. But you don't want people to view you as not being focused. For me, the engine that drives all of this stuff is quality patient care and being a competent physician. I, when I started doing leadership stuff, I said the same thing. Like, if I feel like my clinical quality and my ability to be a good teammate is starting to deteriorate because I'm doing leadership work at the hospital I work at with the medical group that I'm a part of, I'm going to back those things off first. Um, so I think that's the part that everyone just has to be super conscious of. You don't want people to look at you as someone who's entering the career of medicine and that you're a dilettante, you, you need mm -hmm. to, it, it's got to be clear that you, it's one through 10 on the priority list, especially early in the career. Yes. Yes. And that that's a tension that a lot of us are, sure. are currently facing. Yeah. Um, so thanks for shedding some light on that. Following up on that point, how then do you find the, I'd say like, I don't know if it's the grit or the guts to, speak up on some of those controversial topics that we we do need to say something as physicians. You've been so active in talking about voting and especially with the 2020 election, you know, structural racism, racial injustice. You know, these are some of the topics that, you know, people do get the side eye when they walk into, you know, clinic or that hospital meeting because of a tweet or a post that they made. How do you balance that world? It's such a good question. 
I'm going to be as transparent as I can here because I really got engaged and found my voice as a physician, as a white male physician. It's only been a couple of years. I mean, I'm going to be totally transparent. I've always been politically engaged. I've always been interested in the world around me. Got my degree in history as an undergrad. These things have always interested me, but I have kept the professional sphere of me as a physician and the world around me, current events, political events, very, very separate. And I didn't know how to allow them to overlap in a way that's correct and effective because I never saw it. I didn't get the mentorship for it. And I got very specific feedback as a medical student and as a resident that this is not done. One of the best things that's happening with Explore the Space is I had Dr. Mona Hanna Atisha on as a guest, and she's the pediatrician who exposed the lead contamination in the Flint, Michigan municipal water supply. And she came on the show and she said on the show, and you can listen to the episode in the archive, physicians carry a megaphone and they have a responsibility to use it. And I'm not exaggerating. I couldn't sleep that night after we had that interview. And that was the launch pad for me that I, with all of the power that I carry just by virtue of being a white male doctor, I'm a monster. I'm a beast. And I have let all these years go by where, yeah, I voted. Yeah, I would tell my friends who I might be voting for, but I didn't engage. I didn't think about what are the things that are really important to me, climate change, gender equity, right? I have a mom, I have a sister. Like, <laughs> I didn't understand how to do that, but I just kind of did it. And it's been really exciting for me. Part of it has been gathering up the courage to do it. I've never been great at conflict um, and I've had to work hard to get better at it, but I'm not going to stop now. Uh, this okay. is the rest of my career for sure. This is how I talk about my work and mentor my work and do my leadership stuff with my medical group. But yeah, I mean, there's a space there where it wasn't happening and I carry, I, I carry some guilt and some sadness around it. It was an opportunity missed. Um, I don't do things now because I feel like I'm making up for lost time or anything. I do things with intention, but I also think it's important that, especially for people who are now entering their professional world, to be thinking about it, to find mentors and guides to help them understand how to do it, because we've lost multiple generations of physicians and healthcare workers because it just was somehow not part of what we were, what we felt was necessary in our work. And now more than ever, it's more necessary. What issue keeps you up at night now? Climate change, for sure. Done and done. I live in Northern California, just north of San Francisco. We've experienced four catastrophic wildfires. We're looking down the barrel of a really bad wildfire season this year because it's, as you and I are sitting here recording, it's 90 at, uh, 99 degrees outside. And it's like this all over the state. Climate change for sure. You know, I, I have a five-year-old son. I have family that lives all over the world. There's no part of the planet that's immune to climate change. And we're way behind. We're just way behind. As a physician, right? I care about public health impacts the work that I do as a member of my community. I live in my hometown. I live where I grew up. The Tubbs fire of 2017 burned half my high school. I have a ton of friends who lost homes. Um, it's climate change. Uh -huh. and, and I don't mean, I don't say that to say that there are other things that don't bother me. It's just that that one stares at us every day in the region that I live. And I also know that in, in being able to focus on climate change, there's a privilege that comes with that too, because as a white dude, there are things that aren't first and foremost for me that would be first and foremost for others. Uh -huh. um, but I also know that, boy, for my family to enjoy a quality of life that we aspire to, and for my son, and hopefully if he so chooses the family that comes after him to have a, a safe place to live and a hospitable place to live, that's where yeah. we are. That's where we are. 
We we spoke really well about the advice that you'd give to your younger self. We talked about mentoring. There's a question I want to ask you, but I want to be careful how I Don't be careful. Just let her fly. Go for it. I'm ready. (laughs) Okay. So I reached out to you a few months ago, just sending an email and telling you I really admired your show, some of the work you were doing. I wanted to connect. You responded very quickly. And you're like, absolutely. I think you had a commute home and you said we could talk during your commute. You know, you'd have a couple minutes or so. When I reached out to you, I was being really intentional. You spoke about being intentional too. And looking at some other individuals like yourself who are doing other things that I really admired as well. I reached out to a few people at the same time that I reached out to you. Very happy you said, yes, we had a wonderful conversation. Here we are today. We've connected. Another one of the individuals, same thing. Um, But there was someone who responded and their response was, they get requests like this all the time. They don't have time for that. Bye. And it was just a very short, curt email, which I respect because we need to set boundaries. You can't be all things to all people. You cannot answer every email. You cannot take every single phone call, right? But It left a a feeling for me for a couple of weeks that I had to sit with. And someone you probably know really well, Emily Silverman, actually helped me to kind of talk through some of these feelings. Emily's one of my favorite people. Emily's fantastic. She and I (laughs) did a live show together. Emily's a comet. She's 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 amazing. She's amazing. But she helped me to kind of work through some of the feelings I was experiencing there. I thought, you know, the person, it was another woman who was black like myself from the same um, cultural background as myself, a physician like myself. And I was like, if we don't, I don't know, help each other, mentor each other, reach out to each other. I don't know. Um, I feel like the lines break down a little bit. So how do you manage to continue being a mentor, creating that time, that space to say yes to helping people like myself who look up to you, but not burn yourself out in the process? It's a really good question. First of all, the part about me replying really fast um, I, I, I'm glad that you took it that way. To me, it's I'm looking at my phone and my email too much. <laughs> Probably. Look, we all do have stretches in life where we feel overwhelmed, where there is too much going on. And that's why when we spoke at the beginning, it's learning how to be intentional so that you don't end up in that space. I have absolutely been in that space where because of things that are happening professionally, I am just totally underwater. Because of things that are happening personally, I'm totally underwater. That is part of the journey that we're on. I think that there is always space for the person receiving a request to be really, really diligent about how can they prioritize it? What may happen if they pass? How much time does this really need? Um, And is there a way in which they could say yes, if they're putting themselves out there as someone who does that sort of work? Uh If they're not putting themselves out there too, that's a whole different thing. If someone just cold calls you, and you don't do that work or that's not what you're working on, that's fine. You're well within your space. But if you put yourself out there as someone who does that work, you want to be careful about that. The same goes for the person making the request is to go into it acknowledging that the person that they like, look up to, respect, want to want to gather some advice from is probably very, very busy. And to just have some space to say, you know what, three things are going to happen. This is what I always tell myself when I fire off a request for a a guest or someone to to collaborate with or something. Three things are going to happen. One, they're not going to reply at all. Two, they're going to say no. And how they say no is up to them. Three, they're going to say yes. Two of those are not the objectives that I'm hoping for. (laughs) So I have to be okay with that negativity. 
I hate rejection. I want everybody to like me, right? I want automatically, yeah, it's Shapiro. Oh, for sure. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do an episode. I'm ki-. That's not the reality. And I have put myself in a space of being able to mature around my expectations of other people so that I don't feel like I've had the rug pulled out from underneath me because either I don't get a response or the response is not the immediate enthusiastic, holy smokes, I can't wait, let's go. I've gotten all three many times and I am a lot more measured and experienced with each one at this point. And I would say it's just keep doing it, keep practicing. It's an activity and a muscle like anything else, but just make sure there's a lot of room for you to take a response on board. And then also it'll help you because if you don't already get them, you will be, and you'll go through that same process. You're going to get pings from people saying, Hey, can we do something together? You're going to say to yourself, I, I just can't, I don't have the space for this. And I need to tell this person who's probably rad. No. And that is, it's, it's a practice for sure. Dr. Mark Shapiro, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank We're you. done. Oh man. We're done. Oh my gosh. We'll do, we'll do a part two sometime down the road. Maybe we we'll do part, totally... we'll do part two on explore the space. That'll be fair. Yes, That's fair. absolutely. All absolutely. Right, cool. Where can we uh, listen to explore the space? Yeah. So you can check out Explore the Space. It's on all the major podcast platforms. My website is www.explorethespaceshow.com. I'm on Twitter. I'm active there at ETS show. And I'm on email, mark at explorethespaceshow.com. But yeah, check out the show. It's great fun. And stay tuned because we're going to have the Millennial Health Podcast come on Explore the Space too. Woo woo. Can't <laughs> wait. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today on the Millennial Health Podcast. Though my goal is to share some valuable information and draw awareness to some important health issues, I encourage you to please consult your physician for personalized medical advice. I hope this information was beneficial to you. And if so, please subscribe to the Millennial Health Podcast and share with your friends. Please also leave us a review. If you have questions or comments, feel free to reach out on Instagram or Twitter at Dr. J. Sheree, D-R-J-A-Y-S-H-E-R-E-E.